Welcome to the Solo Travel Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am here to get you empowered, inspired, and excited to take your next solo travel adventure. Every week, we're going to share tips, we're going to dive into destinations, we're going to talk with other experts all about solo travel so you can learn ways to make the most out of your next adventure. So thank you for joining us. Enjoy this episode. Hello, solo travelers. Welcome to episode seven of the Solo Travel Woman podcast. I am so excited about this episode because I feel that every single one of you listening are going to be inspired, empowered, and just really take what we're going to talk about today and I think are going to be able to utilize this in your daily lives. And, you know, I think it's going to inspire you to find your own sense of purpose. Throughout our lives, we all go through moments where we struggle with knowing what's next or what we're meant to do, whether it's a career or starting a family. And as women, we have a lot of pressure from society, from family, from whatever it might be to have that all figured out. And so when we don't, and when we go through certain events in life, it can lead us to anxiety, depression, and many other emotions that we're not sure how to cope with. And so... In today's episode, I am so excited to have Tiffany Mosher here with us, the author of Beauty Beyond the Threshold. Tiffany's going to share her journey to recovery and self-discovery through traveling solo and volunteering and how that ultimately helped her just rediscover her purpose in life and ultimately save it. So Tiffany, I'm, I'm just so excited to have you here and I would love for you to tell your story and give a little bit of insight around the background leading up to what inspired you to write Beauty Beyond the Threshold and pursue traveling and, you know, volunteering your work. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on the Solo Travel Woman podcast. It's it's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to have You're you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so I, what led me to write my, my book, Beauty Beyond the Threshold, was, uh, you know, over the last two years, I would share my travel stories with my family and friends and how those experiences helped me overcome depression. So six years ago, I uh, attempted suicide because I felt there was no way out of my dark depression and severe anxiety. And then over time, I found that traveling solo, especially to volunteer, helped me build confidence and my self-esteem and then helped me to stay mentally strong. And so I wanted to share my story kind of with the world and help inspire other people that may be struggling with depression. I love that so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. These are things that you have, you know, you've gone through. I myself have struggled with anxiety my whole life. And I think normalizing, you know, these type of emotions and things we go through is extremely important because ultimately I think normalizing it you know, and talking about it and spreading awareness and sharing your story will help somebody else, you know, not go down certain paths. And so I'm very excited to learn more all about your story and beauty beyond the threshold. Yeah, I think it's really important to talk about it. One of the things that I've noticed as I've shared 
portions of the book with, with my beta readers as I was writing and, and in the publishing process was that a lot of my, my friends and family that were reading and, and kind of helping me along through writing this story said, you know, I didn't realize that someone else felt the same way I did. I didn't realize that, you know, other people struggled the same way I do. And, you know, and they told me, you know, I don't feel so alone now in my struggle. And I think that's what's important about talking about it, because even when I was in my deep depression, I felt that no one under no one possibly could understand what I was feeling. And I was so alone. And that's so far from the case. And it's hard to, I, I guess, yeah, because there's often times when I go through life's moments, and I've had friends of mine go through life's moments, you do feel alone. Um, in 2017, I actually lost my dad. And although I knew other people who lost their parents or someone very close to them in that moment you just feel so isolated and you feel like nobody can understand what you are feeling and being able to hear other people's stories I think is extremely extremely important and to find someone you could relate to or you know just somebody that listens half the time you don't even have to understand what you're going through or what somebody else is going through but if you're able to just sit and listen I think that's also something that's very very important what was the key motivator though so you know you explain that going through the divorce and finding yourself in such a dark place and dark spot mentally ultimately led you to a suicide attempt what was it that ultimately led you to to discovering that and to saying no I am meant to be here and I'm going to do this well my methods of coping with my depression anxiety just weren't working they were they were dangerous coping skills you know drinking and 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 sleeping around you know it was very uh just very detrimental to my health what I was doing to cope even though those things brought temporary temporary happiness in the long run, I ended up feeling so much more lonely inside. And so I felt like, you know, okay, let me try, let me try counseling. Let me try medication. And I tried those things and they helped somewhat, but it was that lack of purpose that really, really drove me to try to find something new. And, and of course this was after the suicide attempt, um, you know, that the, the, the suicide attempt was my kind of rock bottom moment where I'm like, I need, I need help. I need to do something. I need, I want to live. Uh, I just didn't know how to go about that. And I kind of found that living in constant fear wasn't a good thing for me. So I needed to face my fears. And that's essentially what led me to push myself out of my comfort zone. Being an introvert and someone who's naturally very, very shy, the concept of traveling alone was was something that I never imagined I could do. And so I thought, you know what, I need to travel alone and see how I can do this and see what happens. And that's ultimately what, what led me to, to travel. And man, it was, it was so eye opening and it helped me in so many ways. Right. That's, I, I, I love that about travel, whether it's alone or with someone or however you do it, I feel like you learn so much about yourself when you're traveling. You don't realize how much strength you have or, you know, how instinctual, I guess you could say you are. I mean, I've never trusted my instincts more than when I'm traveling. 
I'm the biggest worry wart and I'm someone who's always scared of something happening and this and that. But when I travel, I'm like a whole nother person. It's quite, quite interesting. So you started traveling and you knew you wanted to get out of your comfort zone and do this solo. I would love, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know what led you down the path of volunteer work and what are some of the experiences you've had? I'd love to hear more on the stories of the volunteer work you've done and that you explain in your book. Sure. So uh, before I started traveling to volunteer by myself, I had, you know, enjoy, uh, enjoyed volunteering in different projects in my community. I'm on the board of a local nonprofit called Aid Now here based in Virginia Beach. And so I volunteered with, with them at a couple of their events and um, I had gone to to Mexico for a music festival for this for the Avid Brothers at the beach, and they did a day of service. So I volunteered in Mayan villages for that, and I found that really really exciting. And uh, what led me to travel solo to volunteer was that uh, after Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, I had a desire to help in a way, but I just didn't know what I could possibly do. I, I had sent money, uh, but I felt like it wasn't enough. I have family that lives on the island. And so I felt very, just like an extra strong desire to try to do something, but I I just didn't know what that was. And I was walking around a lake at work one day during a lunch break. And there was a large tree branch that had fallen across the path. And it just like, I kind of had an epiphany. It was like, I wonder if they need help. How can I do this? I don't know what to do, but I want to help somehow. And so I rushed back to my office and I Googled, you know, Google searched Puerto Rico, Hurricane Maria volunteer opportunities. And this organization popped up right at the top called All Hands and Hearts. And so we're, we're doing uh, recovery and relief work and, you know, doing concrete roof repair and mold sanitation. And I was like, I have no idea how to do any of that. This is, is, I I don't even know how to use a power drill. So I don't know, this may be not for me, but for some reason, I just had this strong desire to go that as I was talking myself out of filling out that application, I was just filling it out. I'm like, you know, and I just hit that submit button. And uh, two days later, they, they said I was approved to go and I booked my ticket before I could talk myself out of it. Being as introverted as I am, Whenever I would travel, I would always rely on the people I was with to do all the conversations with, you know, to do all the interactions with the locals, things like that, because that was something that was so scary for me to do. So now I'm like, oh, no, now I got to do all this by myself and I got to go do this concrete work. I don't know how to do this. What what (laughs) was I thinking? I I took on something too big. This is too much. But once I got there, uh, Puerto Rico is absolutely beautiful, and and they showed me how to do the work. And so I, I helped repair a concrete roof for this gentleman named Israel, and he is, uh, his roof had extensive damage and had been leaking for seven months after the hurricane and wow. had immense flooding. And, and so they walked me through how to do it. So not only was I learning a new skill... I was also helping someone and sensing that gratitude in his, in his eyes. When we told him, you know, your roof is done. Your roof is complete. Your roof won't be leaking anymore. And the the tears in his eyes, it was just such a beautiful moment. I'll never forget. And that's where I kind of had this like moment of, I have to do this more because this feels amazing. And I just felt like I had purpose finally. And 
it was nice to be there on my own. So I could just focus on myself and focus on how I was handling the emotions of being alone and interacting with other people. It wasn't so scary anymore. And so that's why I knew like, this is the path I need to take because this feels amazing. It feels awesome. I need to do this more. And so that's why I, I then I went on subsequent projects um, that I uh, volunteered and I share in the book. I've always wanted to do some type of international volunteer work. I have cousins who have gone to Ghana and helped, you know, um, distribute shoes to, you know, children in the different towns they visited. Um, And I've heard of a lot of hurricane relief efforts. I've done stuff locally here. Um, After Hurricane Sandy, I helped restore, you know, the boardwalk that was destroyed in a couple playgrounds for children um, in Brooklyn and stuff, but never to the extent of traveling to, you know, these areas that have been hit very hard. One thing that stood out to me that you said that kind of really disturbs me is that for seven months he was suffering. Um, That is, that's terrible because here in the States, you know, that would not happen for seven months. Um, And it just goes to show these other areas how little help they actually have. And that's why these, you know, I want to stress this to everyone listening if you can get involved in some type of volunteer efforts, that is what these countries and other areas that are hit hard from natural disasters, or even just areas that are, you know, lower income and don't have the resources to, you know, develop. The volunteer work is really what what helps them because they don't get the resources that you see in other, you know, privileged areas like the U.S. or the U.K. and so on and so forth. And so I think these these companies, these nonprofits that put this stuff together are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I think the problem is uh, in, in today is that when a natural disaster happens, the media comes in and they cover it. And, you know, you have those immediate after organizations and, and FEMA or, or whoever, wherever it is that come in and they offer their help and their aid. And then the next big thing happens in the news and people forget. People forget uh-huh. that the disaster happened. And, you know, that was one of the heartbreaking things that I saw, you know, when I was up on the roof, you know, I would look over the mountainside of, of Barranquitas, Puerto Rico, and I would see so many other houses that still had blue tarps on their roofs. That's there just there wasn't enough volunteers. There wasn't enough help. And nearly a year later, they're still suffering because there's just you know people forget. It becomes forgotten. These disasters become forgotten. And it's so important to know that just because something may have happened, you know, a, a year ago or or five years ago, even there are areas that still could use help. I, I just was most recently in Nepal earlier this year doing uh, earthquake relief and helping build schools. The earthquake happened five years ago in 2015, but there were over oh. 2,000 schools that were destroyed in the earthquake and you know they still need help building these schools. We just, but you know nobody remembers that it happened because it's just, it's faded. The, the coverage has faded. And that's why it's so important to kind of bring awareness to this kind of volunteer work because it's so necessary and so important. Although traveling solo is one of the best experiences you can ever have, sometimes it does get kind of lonely. And sometimes it's really hard to find others who share that same passion of traveling 
and doing it on their own. And that is why I love Tourlina. Tourlina is an amazing app that allows women to connect with fellow female travel companions and locals within a secure and trusted network. It is safe and reliable. Every new user gets checked and only verified users can chat with each other. It's for women only, so you could still be part of that solo travel woman network. And it also just makes you want to travel. It's not a dating app and you're never gonna travel alone when you join Tourlina. So my viewers, what's awesome is Tourlina is giving you 50% off a one-year subscription. Use code Sarah. 50 and go to tourlina.com slash promo to get your 50% off. Again, that's tourlina.com slash promo for 50% off. All the details are in the description below. So that makes me think, you know, with COVID and everything going on right now, I think something really important for people to look into is going to be what areas that have been hit hard in the past that were in recovery efforts are going to, you know, need volunteers coming up because it has been nine months since we've been able to, you know, fully travel and get out there. And with restrictions in place, they haven't been getting the help we need. So that's definitely something I think it's important. So if anyone is interested in getting into the volunteer um you know, method of traveling, look into what areas need that help that haven't gotten it in a long time. Yes, that's exactly true. Um, I know the project I was working on in Nepal, we didn't get a chance to finish the school um, because it got, you know, the, the travel, we had to leave because of COVID. It was getting too dangerous. And then the monsoon season happened. And so it was just wasn't safe to travel to Nepal. Uh, during the monsoon season. So Nepal is definitely an area that will need uh, volunteers when it's safe to travel. Um, In Mexico, they're still doing earthquake relief there, building schools uh, from an an earthquake that happened years ago. Um, Down in Florida, they're still doing Hurricane Michael relief, which is, you know, yeah. Um, In Texas, they're still doing relief from um, Hurricane Harvey. So there's a lot of places that need help still. And, you know, all it'll take is when, you know, when you're ready to travel and things are, and it's safe to travel, um, you know, all it'll really take is, you know, looking and seeing where, which areas need help. And, um, and in the organization that I go with, which is all hands and hearts, they, they are incredible. I highly recommend them. And they have projects that are, you know, ongoing with disasters, Um, as they happen, as they happen. That's amazing. And that brings up a good point too, is you're talking about Hurricane Michael and Hurricane Harvey. Guys, these were, these were years ago. And so just think the areas that these have hit, you know, and specifically just talking about the States here, the areas these have hit are areas that get hit almost every single year. So think about that. They're still recovering from Hurricane Michael and Harvey. And think about the hurricanes that have come since then. It is just a compound effect of the damage being done. And so rebuilding's never gonna be done. Let's think about that. It's it's just, you know, you're you're rebuilding and then the second you get to a point of 
okay, we're in a good place. Something else is happening. So the volunteer effort is always going to be needed. Um, it's never, it's never going to go away. So definitely getting out there and looking into this is if that's something you are interested in, there is a lot of work to be done. Exactly. I remember when I, I volunteered in Bayboro, North Carolina after Hurricane Florence, and I went down there a year after Hurricane Florence hit. And I was telling, and I live in Virginia Beach, so I live very close to where the Hurricane Florence hit in North Carolina, uh, just a few hours away. And I would tell, you know, my coworkers and my family, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, volunteer in, in hurricane relief down in North Carolina. And they're like, there, what hurricane hit North Carolina? There was never, we haven't had a hurricane hit North Carolina. I'm like, no, no, this is from a year ago. They still need help down there. And that's the important thing to remember is that these not as soon as the natural disaster leaves the, the long-term recovery is it's it's so important to remember that people need help in the long term it takes years mm-hmm. to recover from these disasters oh 100% so you know the volunteer stuff i i think so many people listening to this are going to be so inspired to do to go out there and look into this, especially when it comes to if they're looking for a way to get out there and solo travel and also give back. This is such a good idea. I would love to hear also not just, okay, this is what you did from the volunteer side, but what is it like to be there outside of the volunteer time? Like, do they put, are you put in a hotel? Where do you stay? Um, You know, what is, what does that look like when you're on these volunteer missions? When I travel on these projects, it act, we stay in actually very primitive accommodations. So, for example, when I was staying in Nepal, we were camping in the middle, um, of, in the middle of nowhere on the on a rice paddy at the top of this mountain that had we had no Wi-Fi, no electricity except for what we had via a generator for four hours a day. It was very removed from the life that I know. And it was so freeing and so wonderful because, you know, being like that helped me kind of see things from a different point of view. It helped me focus on myself and my emotions. It helped me create relationships with the other volunteers that were there from all around the world. And it was nice that we didn't, we weren't all glued to our phones, just scrolling through Facebook. We were actually conversating and getting to know one another. And it was just so, so beautiful. Uh, we, we had to take bucket showers. So when we had hot water, if we had hot water, we would have hot water um, and put it in a, in a bucket and use that. And of course, you got to think, you know, I was there in January and February, so it was winter. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, oh, summertime. Gosh. So it was very cold. Um, we, we didn't have, uh, hot water for washing dishes or anything like that. So it was, you know, we were literally just kind of, like I said, camping and we, we were just integrated in the community and it was absolutely just breathtaking, wonderful experience, just experiencing the Nepalese culture and drinking the tea. I'm a huge tea fan. So I drinking the tea and just sitting around the fire and and getting to know my fellow volunteers and, and being with the local people and talking with them. They, they knew some pretty uh, good English, a lot of them, which was nice. And it was just, uh, 
it was a wonderful experience. And I think that having, you know, not staying in that fancy hotel and having all those accommodations really enhances that travel experience. It makes you really appreciate what you're doing to help other people. Oh, I completely, completely agree. And I like that because it really also, it shows you how other people live. You know, we're, we take advantage of the, you know, amenities and the, and the privileges we have here um, in the States and in other countries similar to how we're set up, that you don't realize how other, other people live and other cultures actually, you know, go through their lives. And so I definitely, I mean, the best, accommodations I've ever stayed at was when I was camping in the mountains of Peru. Um, even though there are moments, you know, at night that you get nervous going to the yeah. restroom because <laughs> you don't know where you're going <laughs> and, you know, it's holes in the ground and stuff like that. And we had some, we had some interesting mishaps happen, I have to say, but those are the stories you remember anyway. So it's quite, it's quite fun. I want to ask about the tea. Now, in Peru, in the Andes Mountains, you drink coca tea, you know, and that's what helps you. What type of tea is it? Does Is it a tea that specifically helps with the acclimation as well? Or what kind of tea did you have there? Because I'm a big tea it person, too. It was just a basic, you know, Himalayan tea. I'm not sure. It was kind of like a more of like a green tea type flavoring, I would, I would you know, make it similar to that Mm -hmm. but it just had its own distinct flavor it's so hard to describe it it wasn't anything in particular that was suited for for acclimating to the uh, to the elevation or anything like that but we yeah we were we were kind (laughs) of we had rations of what we could eat there because we were just so far removed. We were two and a half hours away from the local town. So with having all these volunteers, it was like they got kind of just the box of tea bags that could feed, you know, a hundred, a <laughs> hundred of us. Uh, so it wasn't anything. Wow. Um, it wasn't anything super, super fancy, but it's still at the same time was just such a unique flavor that was just, I couldn't get enough of it. I just, I drank it all the time while I was there. I love that. I love that. Yeah. We had the, we had the coca tea. That was the big one um, because it, it helps with acclimation. And then also um, it's, it's a staple tea and brew and Yep. At the end of that trip, I definitely, my body, you could tell, like, missed it. Like, I definitely, I definitely wanted that tea so bad. I love the story, though, of the volunteering. And I think it is so interesting. And I know coming from just talking to you about it, it's definitely something I'm going to look into more. I actually was talking to a friend about it the other day. And I said, I was, you know, doing this podcast with you. And I'm, I told her, I was like, I'm so excited to learn about this volunteer work. We have to go look into this because I think it would be really fun. Um, and what I love about my company that I work for is they give us uh, five volunteer days a year that we have to take. So I think it's cool because I, I work for a company that's an advocate on helping other areas and volunteering and stuff like that. So I'm going to look into definitely how I can utilize that and go on one of these volunteer missions. That's wonderful. It's so wonderful that your employer encourages that too. I I think that could be something that could be beneficial for, for everyone. Oh yeah. I think it's definitely, 
needed and companies that are lucky to, you know, be um, prospering, especially in times like this, to have a system in place where there is give back and they make it part of their culture. Um, I definitely, it makes it, I'm very proud to work there because of that. So to wrap up our, our chat, I want to make sure that you know, we discuss a little bit more about your book. Um, so we discussed, you know, why it was written, what, you know, is, you know, what the book entails, but I would love for you to just share what our listeners can really expect um, to discover or to feel when they read your book and any takeaways you may have for them. Um, you know, we're definitely going to share the information on how to get your book in the description, but if you wanted to, you know, just share you know, just quickly to um, how and where listeners can, can sure. grab a copy of so your book. I really wanted to tell the whole story. So, you know, in the beginning of the book, uh, readers are going to feel uh, the depression and the anxiety I experienced. I, I really wanted the reader to know what I was feeling and, and the struggles I was having and then feel the kind of the transformation with me as I walked through this path of discovery. So, you know, in the book, it's written in past tense, but you'll see it italics, which is what I'm thinking in the current moment. So you're going to, you're kind of going to be, you're, we're going to have our arms interlocked and we're going to be walking through this journey together. So it's going to be an emotional experience where, you know, we're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. We're going to learn. We're going to reflect. It's going to be a really great experience. And, and I hope my key takeaway is, is that I want the reader to ask themselves, you know, what is it that I can do to push myself out of my comfort zone? What are my comfort zones? And what can I do to explore what's outside of them? Because, you know, I understand for me, it was traveling solo to volunteer. And that might not be for everyone. You know, a lot of people might think that just traveling solo in general could be a first step or just volunteering could be a first step or it could be if you you know are an aspiring singer and, and want to just go try to sing in an open mic night just whatever your comfort zone is explore what's outside of that and see how it can boost your confidence see how it can make you feel stronger about within yourself see how it can help you gain a sense of self-esteem and just learn to love yourself again, give you that sense of purpose. It's, it's kind of an exciting process. Sometimes we don't know what it feels like until we experience those things. Well, I love that. And I, I'm just, Thank I'm you. excited to read your book. <laughs> I'm not a big, I'm not a big Kindle fan. I'm someone who likes that physical feel of a book and the smell of paper. I don't know. I'm, I'm weird that way. Um, but I like that. So definitely the paperback is my route to go. Um, and I'm very excited to hear this story and, you know, not even just women. Um, I know this is the solo travel woman podcast, but if you are listening and you are a solo travel woman, but you know, somebody else, whether it's a gentleman or someone older or someone very young who is just going through something in life and they just need inspiration and hope and a story of positivity, because, you know, in today's day and age, we hear a lot of negativity right now, whether in the news, media, whatever that is. Um, I definitely want to 
make sure everyone knows this book is available. And like I said, I'm going to have it in the description, how, how you can get this. And I, I do suggest everyone listening today to, to get this book and to hear Tiffany's yes, it, story. It'll be, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, wherever books are sold. You can, can order it online. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your story, for, you know, not letting fear hold you back. Um, I know this, you know, I'm sure when you were starting to put this to paper, it was, you know, it was scary to to tell your story. And I think more people need to do what you're doing by sharing that and, and normalizing these feelings because you're not alone and making sure people know that. And so thank you so much for all of that and the inspiration you have and your strength. Um, because I think this is just the coolest thing, the volunteering and using that to travel and to help other areas. And I definitely think our listeners are going to, are going to love this episode and you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, It it was a a hard journey to channel those emotions again, but it was just so necessary to talk about. And I think that, um, you know, the purpose of my book is, is this, is that if I can just help one person, inspire one person to change their life for the better, then all of the hard work of writing this book will have been well worth it. That, that's the goal that I have with this book. It, it's, it's just to help. It's to inspire, motivate, encourage. And, and if I can offer one bit of advice for, for listeners who are a little hesitant about the whole volunteer aspect. And, you know, I talk, I know I talked about disaster response and concrete roof repair and and some people might be thinking oh that's just you know tools and I don't know that's that's not for me but I encourage you to to not be afraid (laughs) of that because I I'm this you know I'm this type of person I don't really do tools like I said I could barely use a power drill like or in a hammer and I was intimidated by the work I really was but once I went and I learned how to do it I felt so empowered every time I learned something new now I might come not come back and and use these skills daily or anything I'm not going to go build a house you know my next home or anything like that but, but it feels no. so good to learn something new. And when you learn something new and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I can use a, 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 you know, I can, I can do these things. I helped build a school. I helped fix someone's roof. Like these are, th- these are huge things and it really can help you feel good about yourself and empower yourself. And not only that, the people that you're helping are so thankful or the, the gratitude that, that, pours out of their 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 smiles and, and the looks in their eyes it just makes everything so worth it so when you're serving others you're also serving yourself in such a positive way and you know I encourage you to, to try it just try it once I love that thank you so much Tiffany and I agree and everyone get out there look into volunteering please take a look and if you are inclined to purchase the book Beauty Beyond the Threshold by Tiffany. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Solo Travel Woman podcast. Please be sure to follow us on Apple Music and Spotify and give us a rating so we know how you're enjoying the content. Also, don't forget, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with the latest information from Solo Travel Woman.